Good morning. Um, I hope that the fact that I, English is not my first language is going to kind of help you to keep attention on it, <laughs> to keep focusing on what I'm saying. I hope I'll be able to express and use the right words and bring the message. Um, let's go. So, I mean, as just introduced, my name is Deborah, uh, but for some of you, you probably never, we never had the chance to talk or to chat a bit. Um, so I thought just quickly give you a bit of an introduction of where I come from. So I'm Brazilian, um, <laughs> one of four siblings uh, raised in a missionary family in Paraguay. Um, and at the age of 14, we returned to Brazil, uh, where I spent four years uh, as a part of a church there. And I felt really encouraged in nature, in my faith as, as a youth, as a youngster growing up in my faith with God. Um, at the age of 14, around, sorry, four years later, when uh, 2004, I came to the UK. And you might be wondering why a Brazilian from Paraguay <laughs> has come to the UK. So basically, um, I came as a part of a project, missionary project, between my local church in Brazil and a local church in Bognor Regis. I mean, out of all of the places in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> in Bognor Regis, and it was amazing. We had amazing years traveling to Europe, um, Italy, France, Belgium, Edinburgh, um, and it was a re remarkable time in my life. But it was there that God gave me a, a precious gift, Tiago. <laughs> all the way, all the way from Brazil, Portugal. What are the chances? Bognor Regis was the place where we met. <laughs> um, in 2011, our, around December, Christmas time, we moved into New Haven. Um, and it was, we believe it was God moving, leading us through his job. An opportunity came, on, came up to New Haven. Um, and as we moved, we were thinking, oh my goodness, it's the first time I get this opportunity to try to find that church. Because for my whole life, I just follow my parents' church. Um, and as we were exploring the area, we've been to Peace Haven Polgate, Eastburn, New Haven, um, Seafood, and we were just exploring, and we bumped into uh, Hamden Park, Kings, and we heard that there was a church plant in Seafood. So we came the next Sunday, and basically we never left. <laughs> uh, we felt so welcome, and immediately felt really at home. Um, we are truly so grateful for God allowing us to, to meet such a precious um, church family. Um, and we, we are so encouraged, and, and it's such an inspiring and caring family that we are all part of. I'm, I'm sure you agree with that. Uh, God bless us with Benjamin and Isabella, as some of you might have probably noticed him running around and making quite loud noises. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's a bit of me, uh, and I would like to move forward. Um, last week, why did I feel like we had something here? Oh, it's here, sorry getting used to this. Last week we heard Jess um, sharing on the principle of practicing hospitality. And what we as a church will be looking into the next few weeks, um, we saw Wendy's video about um, how they've opened their home and how many people they've received for meals and fellowship. And I believe as a church we've been challenged and Jess challenged us to slow down um, to simplify our lives and 
to be intentional about making a space in our hearts and in our homes um, for the people around us. So as I've been preparing for this, I've been thinking about the subject of hospitality and, and actually how much God has done already within our community, within our church. Um, we as a family, we, we've been blessed and we've probably lost count of how many times we've been blessed by people in practical ways, practical acts of hospitality. And we're truly very grateful. But one thing that is amazing with God is that we can always go further. We can always go deeper with him. And even though we've already experienced hospitality within us, God can always take us deeper. And we can be transformed as we know more and more of him. We can trans be transformed more and more like him. Um, you probably have noticed some books at the back, and one of them is the one that I read, The Gospel Comes with a House Key. And it's about an atheist, um, what is the word? My, my, my male, no, atheist, um, activist, les sorry, lesbian activist, um, who had a radical conversion. Uh, and it's amazing, she wasn't, she didn't become a Christian because she heard of, an amazing evangelist, a message of an amazing evangelist, but it was actually through a simple invitation for a meal, through relationship, and coming through the house of someone that invited her in. So I think if you if would like to read it, I really encourage you. It's very challenging, inspiring, and I believe it takes you right to the core of what the gospel of Jesus Christ is and how he practiced hospitality in very radical ways. Um, I keep saying. Um, so I will have in the screen, if we can have please, um, Romans 12. I would like you to read if you have your Bible or, or you can look up in the screen. It's Romans 12, 9. says, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in, in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. When I read this, uh, for whatever reason, I never noticed it before, but the word sick, sick to show hospitality. And the definition is to attempt to find something. It's a verb, it's active, not passive. It's intentional. Are we attempting to practice hospitality? Also, it's interesting to look at the original word, philoxenia, is a synonymous to hospitality. And it means love for the stranger. If I'm honest, it's very easy to practice hospitality with people I'm comfortable with, with people I love and care, and I can connect with. But what about the strangers? Or people that we don't feel naturally connected with? Or people that hold different views from us? 
When Jesus walked on earth, he turned everything upside down, literally. He faced the Pharisees and teachers of the law. Those were the people that actually knew the scriptures very well. Yet for some reason, they didn't have an encounter with Jesus, a heart encounter with Jesus. They knew all about the law of Moses, yet they didn't recognize the fulfillment of the promises. Jesus is standing right there in front of them. For me, this is one of the, our greatest dangers in our post-Christian world. Sadly, history repeats itself. We might have heard about Jesus. We might have a lot of knowledge from the scriptures. We might even think, wow, it's Jesus. But are we truly disciples of Jesus or just part of the crowd that follow him? I know it sounds very strong, <laughs> but honestly, that's what I find myself sometimes thinking about. And the danger of becoming too familiar, just like the crowd were. They were familiar with Jesus. But only the disciples really knew him on a daily basis. Jesus today, he invites us to, to be his disciples, to be his friends, even his children. And Jesus continues to challenging us today as a church not to constrain the gospel to some privileged ones, but to reach out to those that haven't yet encountered the good news, the amazing message of grace. But how do we, do the, how do we bring this message? Jesus didn't only talk about the Father. He became the Father's love and manifest presence in flesh. He touched and touched, he ate with sinners, he healed the sick, he fed the hungry, he washed his disciples' feet. It was simple, practical, yet powerful. In my own life, um, hospitality has been a, a, a real key of how God used to nature my faith, but also to release me into his purposes in my life. I want to share a quick story about a dear couple to me. They are called Gary and Carol. Um, about 20 years ago, they felt in their heart, God is speaking to them, that the way they God would use them would be through hospitality. And they closed down their B&B &B and decided to work in their own professions. And they opened their house for people like me that came through the project. But not only people that came like me, but also many missionaries and church leaders from all over Brazil, America, and Europe. We would have no fees, no bills, free meals, and on top of that, we would have people that would listen to us and pray for us whenever needed. They've been doing that for the last 20 years, and they're still ongoing. It's just an open place. God has used to bless so many people around the world. So today I wanted to look um, into some of the barriers to hospitality. If you want to, again, open your Bible in Luke 19, 1 to 10. Let's see what Jesus modeled to us.
It says, he entered Jericho and was passing through, and there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was chief tax collector and was rich, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was a small of a stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Here we see Jesus. He went to a Zacchaeus' house. He literally invited himself in. Jesus saw the opportunity and took initiative. But what people said, he has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Jesus wasn't afraid to be in the house of sinners and to eat with them. He was clear. He came to save and to seek and save the lost. How did Jesus show hospitality? We can go to the next. How did Jesus show hospitality to Zacchaeus? He saw him. He didn't just pass by, he paid attention and noticed him. He called him by name, not by the role, chief tax collector, but as a person. He treated him with dignity and worth. And he invited him himself for dinner. He was communicating, you are loved, radically. So let's, let's look back to the story and think um, the sort of barriers that Jesus was breaking himself to practice hospitality. What I can see is the barrier of fear of being rejected or judged by going to a sinner's house. In our days, this could look like fear of not being accepted in a very much post-Christian world. Fear of being with people that hold different views from us and not knowing what to say. Fear of the environment and the impact it might have on us and our children. Now, this is for me particularly interesting because I felt really challenged about this one because um, since moving to New Haven, specifically to our street, um, I live in a special street, <laughs> and I felt really insecure and from time to time, I will find myself praying for protection. And I remember from the beginning talking to Tiago and saying, we need to pray for our neighbors. We need to find ways of connecting with them. We feel like we are not able to, so we need to pray about it. But to be honest, we never really progress much from that. And on October the 6th, you might have heard um, there was an incident of five cars burnt in front of our, our house. And it, it was funny because we somehow we slept through the night, we didn't hear anything. And we were all just fine getting ready to come out of the house and we opened the door and suddenly you see all these cars burnt. And, 
and the black stain on the windows, the, the remaining of the cars, and you think, what is going on? I was a bit in shock. I didn't understand what was happening. You could hear the neighbors saying, we don't know. It looks like it could be vandalism. My very first <laughs> selfish thought was, what am I doing here? We need to get out of here. <laughs> on that week, on Thursday, we had a prayer meeting here, and I really felt God breaking me down. I felt God challenging me, saying, you've been praying to get out of that place, but have you actually realized the people living in that street and how desperate they are to know Jesus? So that broke me in, and I realized that sometimes it's, it's easy and tempting to pray to be removed of circumstances or situations that bring us fear or discomfort, but actually to be challenged, to pick up our cross and follow Jesus into the places that he would go. That is harder. It's a challenge. Another fear, it could be letting others see our own struggles with sin. Now, we can't forget that it's not about us. It's about Jesus and what he's done for us. So we shouldn't be afraid of allowing people to walk with us and see our own struggles and how we look into Jesus, our Savior, to rescue us, to free us, and to help us walk in his ways. People don't need more Pharisees to point out their sins. They need people full of Jesus' love and grace to embrace them and point them to the only one who can save and transform one's life. So that was a bit of the barrier of fear that I felt there are some fears that we might encounter as Christians. But also Jesus, on that chapter, he faced the barrier of finances as well. If you think about it, it's interesting because Jesus didn't have, have much at all. In fact, in Luke um, 9.58 says, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Yet, Jesus is our biggest example for hospitality. So we might be deceived into thinking that in order to practice hospitality, we need to have plenty. But we need to remember that hospitality is not entertainment. As we saw earlier, Jesus had a very, very simple life, yet he practiced hospitality. I want to share um, a story of my mom and dad. Um, they were missionaries in Paraguay for 17 years, and they went from, they experienced it very extreme circumstances. They went from having plenty, and all their financials met, um, a large home with a beautiful garden, to having a very small chalet, two rooms, and the toilet outside of the house. Um, one of the rooms were divided with furniture to be my mom's room, my parents' room, and the other, the living room, and the other room was divided again with furniture to be our kitchen and our kids' room. And in the midst of all of that, you know, 
I, you, some of you might have met my mom. She came here about four years ago. She is disabled. She had polio when she was one year old, so one of her legs doesn't work, and, and she always had to use support to, to walk. So considering all this, she was in the midst of this situation with her disability with four kids under seven, the youngest about two years old. And they had the opportunity to practice hospitality. A very poor neighbors of us, they, they lost a mom in the middle of the night. Four kids lost their mom, and the father couldn't look after them. They literally couldn't. He literally couldn't. And so my parents took over. They looked after those four kids. Well, I say my parents. It was my mom, because my dad was trying to find a job to provide for us during the day. And, and somehow, my mom, with her disabilities, with her extremes, very simple conditions, she found a way to look after eight kids. And I don't remember being hungry while we shared all we had with these kids. Somehow, we had enough for everyone. Today, as a mom of two, I honestly cannot imagine how my mom, in her con condition, she was able to look after eight kids. I remember countless times where my dad, that was going back to Brazil now afterwards, um, I remember countless times my dad would open the door, someone would be knocking and they would ask food for food and my dad would just go to the cupboard and see whatever we had, even if it was the last rice packet or black beans, because that, if I'm honest with you, for a while was our normal menu, because it's quite cheap, <laughs> rice and black beans. And even if it was the last packet, my dad would just give it away. And when I look back, we were never hungry. God always provided. And one time, Dad came quickly home, prepared a meal, and left. And later I found out that he was a poorly neighbor of ours that was in bed and couldn't do it much. And my dad quickly came home, cooked a meal for him, and took it to his home. And as I was thinking about the, 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 the barrier of finance, I thought, actually, that shouldn't be a barrier. God can use the very little we might think we have to practice hospitality. Another barrier that I can see is culture and time. Now, it was probably culturally difficult for Jesus himself to go to Zacchaeus because he probably wasn't very popular among the people. They didn't like him. He was a chief tax collector. But Jesus broke those barriers and he went to his home. Also, Jesus had a crowd following him. That would have made, me, made him very busy. Yet he stopped and gave his time. He wasn't too busy. I want to share a little bit of my culture background. Um, being Brazilian with a Chilean father, Brazilian mother with a German background, being brought up in Paraguay, married to a Portuguese handsome guy, <laughs> and living in the UK for 15 years, has given me the opportunity to see a bit of the bigger picture and understanding of different cultures. For instance, in Brazil and probably all of South America, it's quite normal, literally, to just pop in into someone's house. They do make arrangements because also they do have busy lives, but if they're in their neighborhood and they decided to pop in, they just do. And it's totally normal. It's not a problem. It's okay in our culture. 
In Paraguay, everybody drinks terere. It's a herbal drink um, with cold water. But in Brazil, it's called chimarrão. In the south of Brazil, they drink the same herb, herbal drink, but hot in wintertime. And I thought to show you what it, it looks like. So is this. <laughs> they put the herb here. Um, and it's quite interesting. It's probably quite yuck for you. <laughs> because basically, they sat in a circle, and they all drink from the same. Family, friends, even some new people that just pop in and start drinking, they don't even see the issue of drinking from the same cup. Um, so that's one part of a different uh, difference in the culture. Um, another thing that I find quite funny, in a way, that Latinos kind of struggle a little bit with being on time. Just a little bit. Um, they can be very loud and noisy and they are not even arguing. Now, having my, my mom's German background, it kind of helped me a little bit not to be too bad with being on time. But I did realize when I came to the UK that it's quite important to be on time. Here also, I was introduced to black tea with milk and no sugar. And, and I loved it. Um, it was a new drink for me. <laughs> uh, I never had it before, and I had it pretty much every day until uh, I became a mom and I felt like I needed more caffeine and co coffee took over. Another thing I really love is how open the UK has been to international. And truly honest, since I came in 2004, I always felt welcome. And one more thing that I noticed um, here as well, that is quite new for me and Tiago, is the habit of going for a walk. Um, I don't think he ever did that, and neither I did when I was a child. We would just be at home <laughs> and do things, but never really going as a family to for walks. And, and it's something I really enjoy, that when we had get together as a church and families and friends, and we just go for a walk. Um, another amazing thing is the way that you can argue here without being too dramatic or intense, with too much intensity, <laughs> like in South America or in Portugal. On the other hand, in Portuguese people might be very direct to you and sound even a bit rude, not only to you, but to me. But they are being very honest, and you know that where you stand with them, 100%. You probably, at this point, you're thinking, why is she trying to say? Now, the whole point I'm trying to make is that we are part of such a big world, full of so many different cultures and diversity. We are certainly shaped by our culture and upbringing. But as Christians, we ultimately need to look to Jesus and be shaped by his culture. Imitate him. Our minds and hearts need to be transformed by Jesus' culture so that we don't become a stumbling block to this contagious grace to flow through us. We live in a world that highly value, values functionality, but when we are too functional, we forget that Christian life is a calling. Hospitality is necessary. There are desperate people around us needing love and company. 
We can be Jesus' hands for these people if we only allow God to have room in our daily routines and schedules, being open and flexible to change direction whenever the Spirit leads us. I believe our homes are a great platform to practice hospitality, as well as wherever we are. It could be either visiting someone in their home, uh, in hospitals, in a park, in a school run, at our workplace, in the supermarket. It could be anywhere. We can show love for the stranger. I want to look one more passage in Peter, 1 Peter 4, 8, 9. It says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Without grumbling. I think we heard uh, earlier on. Um, and the Bible is clear to show hospitality without grumbling. It's easy to show hospitality when we feel good or have the time for it. Now, in our very busy world, time is precious. But what about those unpredictable moments when we need to let go of our own plans and schedules and take the opportunities God is giving us? It's funny, I'm going to share a story now that actually I felt really, really this applying to myself. Um, a few weeks ago, as I was preparing for today, I took my book, I took the headphones, my notepad, and I decided to go to a cafe because I knew if I went home, uh, I would just be overloaded with all the things that I need to do in the house. So I thought, I'll go to a cafe take the one morning that Isabella goes to nursery and make the most of it. <laughs> I was very determined. Until the very only one Brazilian that I happen to know at the moment turned up in the cafe. <laughs> and she didn't only just came and say hi, she actually sat right next to me. She saw me with my books and things open and my ears, headphones on, but she started chatting. And Oh, I honestly, immediately, I felt really stressed. I couldn't believe that the one morning that I had on that week was taken. I had a few minutes of internal distress, and I thought, really? I was grumbling. Really? How am I supposed to get it done? And then I heard a very soft voice. You're reading about hospitality. I'm giving you the opportunity to practice it. So I was like, okay. <laughs> um, and it was amazing. As I, as I started listening to this lady, she started opening her heart. Pr she pretty much is quite lonely. She le she, all of her family are pretty much gone. And her husband is atheist, and her only son lives far away in Brazil. So she looked to me at one point and said, I never have moments like this to talk to someone. And by the end of it, I was able to share God's love and how real He is in our lives. And for me, that was a lesson that even though we might have our own plans and schedules, at that morning, God had that opportunity for me to practice hospitality. 
So this is really important to be open and listening to what the Spirit is telling us. How often are we too busy to see the opportunities God is giving us? Now, we talk about the barriers of fear, finance, and culture and time. But how do we put them down? I believe we can do it by looking to Jesus, our example, his words, his love, and by the Holy Spirit, we can be transformed and filled with compassion, empowered to overcome our own fears and any barrier to become more and more like him. The Bible tells us in John 1, 4, 18, that there is no fear in love. This is talking about God. He is love. So there's no fear in God. But then continues, perfect love casts out fear. So I believe as we walk closer and closer to Jesus and to his love, the more and more we abide in him, less and less fear we will have. Jesus didn't leave us alone. He sent his Holy Spirit. It's him that connects us with the Father and with Jesus as we are still work, walking on this earth. God is three in one, and it's the Holy Spirit that brings revelation to us, that touches our hearts and softens it to receive the good news of Jesus. And he's the one who intercedes for us. Do you remember what happened in Pentecost? The disciples have been walking with Jesus. They knew him more than anyone else. Yet fear came to their hearts when they thought Jesus had gone and left them alone. When Jesus resurrected, they were filled with joy. Yet it was when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit that all the fear was gone. And they were able to face persecution boldly. Jesus himself, he was baptized in water and in the Spirit, as we see in Matthew 3, 13, 17. It was then that he began his ministry. To me, this is so clear, the importance of the Holy Spirit in everything we do. With the power of the Holy Spirit, we can practice hospitality in simple but profound changing life ways. He can guide us, he can inspire us, prompt our hearts, open our eyes for the opportunities around us, as well as making us more proactive, anticipating, seeking ways to practice hospitality. Now imagine how much more we can touch people's lives, how God can use us more to reach our seafood, Peace Haven, New Haven, and beyond all the communities around us.